good morning. It's great to be together with you this morning. And I actually should say, uh, Happy New Year. If you were down with our children and family ministry right now, uh, you'd be having a New Year's Day party. Because this first Sunday of Advent is actually New Year's Day. In the liturgical calendar, this is our new year. And so once again, we enter into a new year journeying together. And, and our year begins with a fresh approach. A fresh approach to the story of the coming Christ child. A fresh approach to a season of waiting. And that's what we're going to focus on this morning, our seasons of waiting. And we're going to try to uh, prepare our adventing, our season of waiting, and try to model it after the way that the Lord our God prepared his people in a season of waiting. Specifically, in the years and months and days leading up to the actual birth of Jesus, there were real people, and there were real groups, and there were real places and real stories, and we can look at those stories over the coming season and try to model our preparations after theirs. And so today, we sit with Zechariah. And we're going to take some time to imagine together a little of this story. We'll, we'll unpack and use some imaginative language around the story, and then we're going to sit with one phrase. And I don't know what came for you in that reading, but we'll sit with one phrase and ask, what does the Lord have for us, and what does the Spirit have for us this morning? But we start with Zechariah. So this Zechariah is actually one of 30 Zacharias that, that we see in Scripture. Do you know that? There's actually 30 different Zacharias, unique Zacharias in the scriptural story. Some of them are kings, some are priests, many of them are, are a common vocation. Um, and if we look at their stories, some are good and uh, their stories align with the ways of Jesus and there are a lot of Zacharias in, in this legacy that... that uh, are a bit more complicated in their story. And I think as we look at this Zechariah as our model for the day, as he is our case study, I think we can resonate with that idea. That in our legacies, in our stories, that there is a lot that is good and there's a lot that is honorable and there are places where our story gets complex, right? And our legacies get complex and God has something to say in the midst of that to us. Today. Now, um, the name Zechariah means literally God remembers. It's the way uh, the name translates God remembers. And, and we don't have to make too far of a stretch to see Zechariah and Elizabeth giving us a mirror into another couple. Another couple who was well along in years and we're told was childless. And Jordan referenced it, but I do want to say today we're, we're going to walk through a very tender part of Scripture, a Scripture that aligns with many of our stories, and we want to hold it carefully and hold it tenderly, but ask the Lord what would he have for us. Because we see that Zechariah, the context for us to understand his story, is rooted in this family narrative of he and his wife waiting and longing and journeying were led to believe not just years, but, but decades in a place of unanswered prayer. 
And so today we'll, we'll look at what is his response and what might our responses be in, in similar seasons. But to understand this, we, we see Zechariah, he's at work. Right? The story picks up, the curtain draws back, and he is at work. And so Zechariah, we're told, is, is a priest, and he's a priest from the division of Abijah. Now, um, I know we're fresh off of you, our, our devotional reading around Chronicles, but Chronicles is where we can unpack a little of what this means, right? The, the marching orders for the people of God and, and the way that, that the priesthood is constructed is around 24 different divisions. There's 24 different divisions of priests in the nation of Israel, and each division each year would spend two weeks at the temple in Jerusalem. And a division would come, and, and they were in many ways the, the grunt work. They were doing the mundane tasks in the temple, while a higher order of priests did the higher stationed work. And so we find Zechariah, when his division is on duty, working in the mundane of temple life somewhere late in his career. Right? And there's roughly... 18,000 priests in all of Israel, and he's one of them. And so, so this man is not especially high or honored in his calling. He certainly isn't low. He is a man who is doing his work and doing his service unto the Lord in the long waiting with his wife. And that's where our story begins. And so we wonder, how many times has he made this trip? How many times has he gone to the temple and done this trip? Is it, is it 20? Is it 30? There's something patterned in this. There's a cadence that he has walked out season after season of going and serving before the Lord. But this time, something is different. He is extracted from the mundane into a space of magnificence. And if we're to understand this role of, of the common priests in the temple, what would happen is this. While they were on service, and when they were on duty in the temple, lots would be cast each day and each evening for who among the common priests would go into the sanctuary and light the incense. And of all the priests on division, lots would be drawn in. This evening it falls to Zechariah. And so the story picks up where he's in now a, a place of professional pinnacle. This is going to be the top of his professional career. For the only time in his life, he's going to walk into the sanctuary and light the incense, and he will initiate the prayers of the people in all of Israel. Can you imagine the honor of that, the gravity of that, the nervousness he might feel? And he walks into the sanctuary, his attendants pull back, and he strikes the spark upon the incense, and as so often does in scripture, the spirit of God and the glory of God becomes manifest in the flame. And the song that we sang in worship was true for him in being. All of a sudden, God is here, and God is holy, and he finds himself standing in his glory. Right, the messenger of the Lord, Gabriel, is there. And so on one side, this is worshipful. On the other side, 
What does the text tell us? He is scared, scared unto death, terrified. But Gabriel speaks a word. But before he speaks a word, he calls him by name and he says, Zachariah. There is a knownness, there is an intimacy. He says, Zachariah, do not be afraid. And that terror in an instant is cloaked and comforted in a word. And then this is the phrase we're going to dwell on. This is what he says. Gabriel says to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. And so we wonder, what, what is this prayer? It's not the prayers of the people. He hasn't gone out and, and delivered the ironic blessing. It's a prayer we're led to believe Zechariah and Elizabeth had prayed prior because the answer to the prayer follows and he says, do not be afraid, Zechariah. The Lord has heard your prayer and you will have a son. We're led to assume that this is a prayer for a child. But can you imagine with me a bit, and I want to hold this tenderly, can you imagine when this prayer might have been prayed? We're told in the NIV that Zechariah and Elizabeth were very old. When had they prayed for a son? Was it the newly engaged couple who were sneaking out to see each other? burning the candle at both ends, dreaming of the family that would one day be? Was that the prayer he's referencing? Is it the prayer of the newlyweds trying to figure out this thing called marriage and all of the awkwardness and the ecstasy of, of two becoming one flesh? Is, is it that prayer that Gabriel referenced? Is it the questioning prayer of a couple who is struggling with a process that doesn't seem to be working and they're praying for answers, praying for avenues, trying to figure out how can this work? It's not working anymore. Is it a prayer of a couple who begins to move into a different season of waiting, a winter of waiting, when this prayer is less hopeful, when this prayer is one of lament, or disappointment, or bitterness, or despondence? Is it the resignation prayer of an old man and an old woman? Or is it just a breath prayer, a prayer of silence, an unutterable prayer? Please hear me. I recognize that this is an acute part of some of our stories, and there are some in this room that are actively praying for a child. And there are those of us who have journeyed through this and those who are journeying through it. But the word is, son, daughter, the Lord has heard your prayer. But I think this has something to say to all of us who have sat for long seasons in unanswered prayer. 
Perhaps it's not a waiting on a child. For some of us, it's the waiting of a return of a child to come back home, to be reconciled, to be repentant, to be reconnected, restored. For some of us, it's a job or a career that we've been praying for and praying for the pathway and praying for the avenue, but it seems to not be working. For some of us, it's illnesses that have not been healed. It's relationships yet to be restored. It's ministry dreams and missional dreams and personal pathways. And we've been ushered through these different stages of waiting. And waiting at first is exciting and waiting is hopeful and it's expectant. At some point, waiting feels like perseverant. And seasons of waiting can lead to questioning and disappointment, to winter's of our soul that can lead to bitterness and despondence and even silence. And I suggest that Zachariah and Elizabeth, in many ways for us, are an archetype of what it looks like to be a disciple of Jesus. That we are people who wait. We are people who move through stages of waiting And in tenderness, may I suggest that in the midst of the mundane and the monotony and the daily duties and service unto the Lord, the Lord speaks over us what he spoke over Zechariah. Do not be afraid, my son. Do not be afraid, my daughter. Your prayer has been heard. This is the word of hope to all who wait. Do not be afraid. Your prayer has been heard. And wherever this prayer was in Zechariah and Elizabeth's journey, can we imagine something? Could it be that an eternal, timeless God receives in a mysterious collision of past and present all of our prayers in eternal immediacy? That in a perfect timeline of the present, prayers uttered decades prior petition just as actively the throne of the Lord as our prayers of the people this morning? What if prayers that we prayed long ago, even those that we've forgotten or those that we have forsaken, what if right now those sit at the throne beckoning the Lord to move mightily in the world? Do not be afraid, son or daughter, the Lord has heard your prayer. So we began by saying that Zechariah can be a template for us. And so how does Zechariah respond to this blessing from Gabriel? We didn't get to it in the passage. But what is Zechariah's response? It's a joyful receiving? No. Zechariah literally cannot believe it. Whether it's a heart issue or a head issue, he cannot see a pathway. He does not have the faith. And so he says, how could this possibly be? And here's what we see from this. That the Lord our God is faithful even when we don't have the faith. Right? In this moment, God remembers. Zechariah's name, God remembers And it's God's remembering, not Zechariah's ability to have faith 
is what is used. This does not stop God's plan. Not one iota is hindered in God's plan. And so church, receive comfort. This is comforting. We don't have to demonstrate faithfulness to God for God to demonstrate faithfulness to us. Amen? While we were yet sinners. When did he come? When we were unfaithful. And this is the story of Zechariah. That his unbelief doesn't impact the will of God. Now it impacts Zechariah because he's made mute. And he has to go home and he has to explain this to Elizabeth. Can you imagine this? Well, what the angel told me we need to do is... And we're told he can't even speak, and so he's writing this on a chalkboard. Can you imagine how much he is hindered in relationship with his wife? But here's what he does. He goes home. He leaves his time of service in the temple, and he moves into time of service at home. And he engages all of the vulnerability that would be required to try again with an old wife. The danger of trying to hope again. The danger of trying, he says, I'm willing to step into that. And in doing so, John the Baptist is born, who comes and literally makes way, a pathway for the Lord Jesus. And over this Advent season, we're going to look at a lot of profiles of how the Lord goes before and prepares for his son. And this is one small facet in a beautiful diamond of God's preparation for Jesus' arrival and a preparation for us as well. And so the passage ends with this. Gabriel says to a questioning Zechariah, he says, every word I have spoken to you will come true on time. In God's time. And so here's our challenge in our prayer this morning. May we wait with Zachariah and Elizabeth this Advent season. May we journey through waiting once again, prayerful in each stage of the waiting, dutiful and oriented to service even in the mundane. But may we find ourselves named and comforted and basking in the magnificent presence of our Lord so that we can courageously walk, not in our strength, not in our faith, but in that of a faithful God who remembers. A God who remembers a covenant to Abraham, remembers a final covenant of grace through Jesus and invites us to come to a table and commune with him where he speaks to us, do not be afraid, my son, my daughter. Your prayer has been heard. Your prayer has been heard. Thank you.